All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time, or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. Everybody, welcome back to the Infinite Fringe right here on Aftermath.fm. Hope everybody's doing well. Greetings and blessings. My name is Billy Ray Valentine coming to you from the South Bronx, ladies and gentlemen. And I have, <clears throat> excuse me, how rude of me, not clearing my throat before we started the podcast. But hey, that's just the way things roll. I have my boy here, part of the fam, part of, part of my family. My extended uh, podcasting family, Mr. Mark Kulak, is here. Houstonic Live, sir. First time your maiden voyage into the murky waters of the Infinite Fringe podcast, and uh, and uh, you know we're we're glad to have you here, brother. How are you? What's going on? I am doing fantastic, actually doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Great show. Uh, Honor to be here, man. Uh, appreciate being a friend of yours, and uh, and so on. Um, and, uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that we could, uh, content we could cover tonight. Uh, but what is it that you had in mind that we talk about this evening on this show? Well, we can, we can cover a lot with you and I want to, I want to, I want to let everybody know, uh, where to go find Mark and his work. He does, he puts a lot of work into it. It's a, it's original research and, uh, everybody should go take a look. So we're going to hit that in just a second before we get, uh, rolling into it. But, um, as part of the family, see, I, I, we, I have a, 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 a core group of people that I go to. And that's, a, you know, uh, John Brissom, Neil Sanders, Recluse, right? Love them. They're yeah. there. Good You know, uh, uh, Tony Good Atterburn, uh, Don Jeffries, and, of course, Mr. Mark Kulak. And the, the, uh, the Antidote Boys, which I haven't had on, but I will very soon. You know, um, the, uh, Jimmy Jean. It's, it's all extended family. So uh, there's a, a core group of people. You are one of those people. I, I've heard you. You're on all of these shows. You just have to be on mine a little bit more often. That's all. But that's on me, not on you. <laughs> and and well, let, let's discuss. Let's, let's discuss a couple of things. So I am here in New York. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a very curious bee. Right. And uh, eventually I want to make my way down to Plum Island and check it out. I just looked it up. I'm like, can people go to Plum Island? And they absolutely can. And it says, uh, you know, you can go to the beach. I mean, for me, personally, I wouldn't want to go to the beach at Plum Island. Just me. Why not? Well, who knows? I, I'll come out of... <laughs> what's up? What happened? It's a beautiful beach. Why not? I don't know, what man. I don't know, bro. Come out of there with like three tails and, uh, and a chupacabra, bro. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But, um, you know, the lore and the legend around Plum Island. But now it's, it's a little more... It's a little more uh, important to shine a light in that direction because of all the things that have been going on lately, right? And the ties to Plum Island and uh, a man named uh, Peter Daszak, which you will tell tell us uh, about him a little bit. And, um, of course, we know that, uh, well, at least I'm assuming that most people know that, you know, the legend is that Lyme disease came out of Plum Island. I think this was back in 1975. I'm not sure that it escaped uh, the research facility over at Plum Island to some of these ticks escaped and boom, now it's out in the wild. I have a theory about, about, um, COVID, um, that I think is, is very similar, but I, I'll share it with you. And you tell me if it's nonsense, according to you, feel free to disagree with me. I will say things that make no sense, you know, to a learned man like yourself, but, uh, <laughs> feel free to That's disagree. Threat, but okay. <laughs> so anyway, you, you've been, you've been researching it. You've been doing, uh, uh, 
you've been you've done several videos on uh, on Peter and uh, on Plum Island and and infectious right. diseases. So uh, tell us a little bit about your work. Give us a one on one, but let everybody know where they can find you off the bat, and then we'll get moving. Uh, you can find uh, my videos if you just go to houstonic.live, and that's H O U S A T O N I C dot live is the full URL. That'll take you to the YouTube page for my videos. Uh, and if YouTube ever says no more, friend, friendo, uh, that will just get redirected to uh, library, Odyssey, BitChute, whatever. Wow. We also have backup channels. HoustonicITS.com. That's ITS as in Information Technology Services. It's a little nonprofit uh, tech company, if you will. Uh, services for people like yourself, citizen journalists, etc. I worked at Dell, EMC, NetApp, a bunch of other big name tech companies as a software engineer and a uh, uh, competitive analyst. Yeah. Uh, had to do reverse engineering of systems and so on. So that was my background up until a few years ago. Uh, and then I started to realize that the world was a little bit different uh, than, uh, than I had been led to believe. And it was actually a couple of personal things, a couple of family matters. One is uh, how Lyme disease impacted my own family. Mm. Uh, the other one was opioid epidemic mm. uh, has impacted my family uh, very, very personally and substantially. And the lack of uh, uh, awareness of these problems, they were covered minimally, if at all, even in mainstream news as of a few years ago. You get a little bit more talk about it now. Uh, was very frustrating. Uh, and all I had wanted was for a little bit more public awareness of these issues and how to minimize the risks. Mm. Lyme disease, for example, is a, uh, is a bacterial infection from a, uh, a bacteria, a spirochete called uh, uh, Borrelia burgdorferi, named after a Dr. Burgdorfer who discovered it. Mm. It is, it is uh, transmitted via a tick bite. Right. Uh, an intravenous, if you will, uh, transmission. And it is a very stubborn bacteria to beat, and it can cause short-term, plenty of symptoms. And this is where it gets conspiratorial, many, many long-term problems. Of course. Many of them falling into the neurological mm. uh, areas. Uh, potentially even uh, Alzheimer's, uh, MS, many, many other things. Wow. We believe are connected chronic fatigue uh, syndrome, which can be caused by other things, but seems to have a very high correlation to long-term undiagnosed Lyme. Wow. And you can beat long-term, you can beat Lyme, even if you've had it for years, there's ways that you can improve your health, improve your life. There's ways that you can reduce getting it. You know, if you're in an area, if you think there's going to be a lot of ticks, you know, I know it looks goofy, but you know what? Put the socks over your, over your legs. Right. Stupid things. I did not have any interest in getting involved in any of the although they may be true, conspiratorial background of this stuff. Right. I didn't really see what's the point. It's an accident. No one will probably ever confess to it. Right. Uh, it's not going to help anyone get better. Let's just go forward. Uh, and I, my frustrations led to getting more active on Twitter and so on. Uh, and uh, at some point, well, here we are. <laughs> COVID-1984. Oh, my gosh. And potentially... Uh, we got here uh, because of many years, decades, maybe even a century of people not wanting to revisit the past and um, at least get transparency on it. Right. It's as if when you don't find out why some buildings fall over, you know, eventually the crime is, is committed again, except in an even more spectacular nature. So I had no interest in doing this research, being an analyst, if you will, of these stories. But here we are, Billy. Here we are. Here we so, are. And I build on the research and work of many other people. There's right. others, books out there. There's people who have done a lot of work. You've had a few guests on your show in the past. Um, uh, a, uh, I think you once spoke to a Dr. Leonard Horowitz. Or I did. Least, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, he went, he's focused on the background of HIV uh, AIDS, uh, National Cancers Institute, uh, et cetera, Fort Detrick, not necessarily, you know, Lyme disease or in this case, our little uh, Plum Island in particular, but there are connections, right? right? 
and he's dedicated his life to it. He could have made a whole lot more money just being a dentist and saying, you know what? Some people are screwed. They got HIV, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm going to find my own, stay in my own lane. But no. Uh, and other people. And 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 this Plum Island case, there was a fellow named Michael Carroll who uh, released a book in 2002 or three called Lab 257. Hmm. Lab 257 is the, uh, is the cold name of the main building, the main research facility on this island called Plum Island, right. which is a small island off the northern shore of Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Long Island Sound, about, we figure, about 110, 120 miles maybe from New York City, uh, depending on where you start. Maybe it's 95, I don't know. But uh, it's a short ferry ride off Long Island, and it's sort of between uh, the Connecticut shore and uh, the northern shores of Long Island. Yeah. And this island uh, has been used for military operations for 200 years. There used to be a Fort Terry there. It's been it's been used for training uh, for a variety of military applications. Uh, but starting at the end of World War II, uh, it was identified as a safe place to test uh, biological weapons, biological and chemical weapons. And that led to the funding of a research lab there in on this Plum Island, uh, which was owned and operated by the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, where they um, tested biological agents, viruses, bacteria, anthrax, etc., but on animals and plants being owned by the United States Department of Agriculture. Uh, and we're, I'm going to skip right over to this, the, where the initial question regarding the initial question that you asked. Um, it is believed that there were, uh, a strengthening of bacteria, uh, created in, in labs across the United States. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, these, this bacteria was being, uh, hosted in ticks or added to ticks and potentially some ticks with this stronger bacteria somehow escaped that lab because the first people who uh, were diagnosed with a new illness, which was had been connected with tick uh, bites, was in the town of Old Lyme, Connecticut, which is of the 25,000 communities in the United States, the town closest to Plum Island across, uh, you know, uh, six five, six miles of, of water right. uh, on, the, on the southern shore of Connecticut. And there were also people with infections on the nearby town on the northern shore of Long Island, mm. both areas, in 1974, 1975. And you can trace back the roots, the epidemiology to Plum Island. Now, did it escape? Was it uh, made to look like an escape and done intentionally? Mm. Was it extra? Was it espionage? You know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm just throw something out there. You know, was the did the, a Chinese scientist break in and make it look like an American, you know, made the accident? We don't know that. I don't know that at all. All I can do is trace back, as have many other people, trace back the uh, the cases to that one location. And knowing that they were doing that type of research, it just seems logical that we should then say, OK, what's next? Um, and knowing that it might have come from there, knowing what type of research they were doing, perhaps that can help us understand what people are faced with right. if they get this disease and how to treat it. Very simple. You know, the conspiracy stuff, whatever. I never wanted to get involved in that stuff, man. I never did. Uh, but here we are, right. COVID-1984, and the stakes have been raised. Big time. Right. <laughs> Big time. Anyway, and that, that's why it's important. Kick off to answer your question no, right. without getting too deep into the weeds, if you will. No, no, no. It was exactly what what uh, what I wanted. And uh, feel free to go on for as long as you need to as well. Just go. And because um, we want to hear what you have to say. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Well, uh, so that's that's a uh, that's the kickoff, man. That's a kickoff. <laughs> OK, no. problem. So so why? Plum Island. Well, if you're testing uh, biological agents um, and uh, anthrax, if you're testing uh, putting new types of diseases 
or strengthen diseases, and that's called gain-of-function testing or research, where, right. look, we can't design it. We can't make a bacteria out of nothing. We don't know how to. We can't make a vi we Well, <laughs> viruses are a little bit different, but we can't make a bacteria out of nothing. We have to take other bacteria, and we can breed them and make, keep choosing stronger ones or ones with certain characteristics over many generations. We can take a bacteria that's maybe on a uh, in a unique situation on the other side of the world and bring it here. That in and of itself has gained a function. It's, it's putting it into a situation where it wasn't before. We could take uh, bacteria from that one, in one type of animal and say, well, what happens if this happens to live inside of a tick? Yeah. For example, where ticks previously may not have had that type of bacteria. These are all combinations of gain of function. And this has been discussed since World War One, probably even before then. The possibility of uh, using ticks, as an example, or fleas, biting fleas, and um, you know, putting new illnesses in them, airdropping them into your enemy's space. And then they did the math, you know? Uh, what, what would the impact be on, uh, on reproduction? How many people would die? Uh, what would the impact on the economy be if they had these types of outbreaks? Uh, and they saw it as a really good bang for your buck uh, return <laughs> on investment versus other uh, because it doesn't destroy any infrastructure. Uh, there, there was a lot of they saw it as a and it's very difficult to trace back where these things came from. Right. So many people got involved or many countries got involved, especially going into World War Two. Actually, before World War II, the United States had very little research in this area. Uh, uh, more nations in Asia and Europe were, were way ahead of us. Uh, a year or two after World War II, the United States had more research or more money spent on this than all the other nations combined. Mm. So everything flipped uh, during the course, course of World War II. And because of the risks because of the difficulty in controlling the spread of all of this stuff, you want to do it maybe on an island. They found Plum Island. They knew it was military. They knew that the wind usually blows out to the Atlantic, <laughs> but not always. Right, 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 right. Not always. Yeah. Uh, it offered a lot of what they were looking for, some seclusion, et cetera. Um, and uh, that's when they decided to build those labs uh, after World War II. And um, the uh, the fact that they were using a an animal testing facility. It's the Plum Island Animal. Uh, I always get the uh, initialism wrong. Animal Infectious Disease Facility or Research Facility. Uh, because animals testing on animals, you do not have the same restrictions as you do when you're testing on people. There's this Hippocratic oath. There's this Nuremberg Code. Well, you don't want to, doctors are not supposed to make people sick. They're not supposed to poison them. Uh, biological weapons go against every single one of those laws, rules, agreements. But testing on animals, it's gloves off. Yeah. You can do all of that. Uh, and you can run it under the cover of, well, we want to protect our crops and make sure our hamburgers are never too expensive. Uh, you don't even need to say it's biological warfare. You can just say, oh, we're just concerned about new types of disease that may impact crops. Uh, and the money for the United States Department of Agriculture, the money just started to flow in. The USDA for 60, 70 years has been in some, to, to some large extent a front for biological weapons research and development. I never knew this until I read la the Lab 257 book by Michael Carroll. I, wow. I, I like, wow, now I know why though so much money goes to the USDA. Now I know why the USDA got moved into the Department of Homeland Security hmm. after 9-11. After right. Did you know that? No, I, this is all new to me. But... I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know that until two or three years ago because of all this mess <laughs> that we're in right now. Right. Um, it, yeah, I was like, well, why USDA? What do they have to do with anything? Because behind the scenes, biodefense spending. And and this attracted a huge crop of scientists who were veterinarians and bacteriologists who were not traditional, uh, uh, what do you call it, MDs. Right. They're not traditional doctors for, for people. 
Uh, and the veterinarians rocketed up because they could do testing that regular doctors and scientists couldn't. Right. They actually started to become the stars. Um, and the way they, cause they could do more types of testing and then they got more money and then they were pushing forward the science of virology in particular, way faster than other doctors were because they could just kill by the hundreds of thousands. Mm. Uh, it's revolting idea, but, uh, it is what it is. Right. So that's, that's how Plum Island came to be. And that's how they got. Uh, their funding and they covered, they had a, a state of the art facility when it was built in the, or in the, in the 1950s. Uh, many, many different types of animals there. They tested all different types of diseases and cephalitis. Uh, uh, you know, they tested on horses and sheep and you name it, birds, other types of insects, bats. Uh, if you could dream it, they probably had a facility or testing it. And they had the buildings. It's it, almost like a, a scene from Hostel. The ho, what's it called? The uh, Hostel. Uh, yeah, I think I it was Hostel. Yeah, yeah. Where where there's like a whole room there. Yeah, yeah. You know, conveyor belt where you take the animals which have been diseased. You had to chop them up, and then you have to burn them in the incinerator. And I mean, <sighs> and there's ways. It's like hell. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> but it all had to be factored in. So that is Plum Island, and it is uh, very, very creepy uh, stuff, which had to uh, go on there. Now, but before we get into into some of the more relevant uh, things that that are that are not necessarily surrounding Plum Island, but that there's connections, you know, that mm -hmm. connections can be made. I, I yeah. do want to talk to you about the Montauk Monster real quick. I don't know if you know anything about it, and it's supposed to be, you know, just nonsense. Uh, about it, yeah, yeah, but it, it was a, a really ugly thing that washed up there, right? And people were saying it was the chupacabra, right? And uh, I always love that. I, I couldn't let you go without asking you this question. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Tell me something, Billy. It's relevant, all right? It is relevant, but for maybe not for the reasons that people think or they want to hear. Okay, I forget what kind of creature, what animal they thought it was, but it, but they identified the animal. Somehow, this poor animal fell into the ocean and was all bloated when it landed on the beach, yeah, and it looked like uh, like something out of a lab, right. a very, very creepy looking thing. And if I had to make a guess as to what's really goes on is uh, there's a lot of research about Plum Island that's spot on. All right. So what you do is you seed the Internet and uh, the, the Internet uh, spaces with corny conspiracy conspiracy stories which can then be debunked mm -hmm. and then and that debunking will then be applied to all of the other good research that's put out there. Okay. So, uh, you know, while you have, uh, this issue of potentially several hundred thousand Americans right now living with chronic Lyme, it could be even be more than that. It is a very high number. Many people don't even know like met multiple sclerosis, for example, we don't know how many of those cases are actually just undiagnosed long-term Lyme. Because MS is not a virus or a bacteria. It's a, a set of symptoms, which can be caused by undiagnosed Lyme disease, hmm. for example. Um, and most doctors will, any doctor will lose their license if they dare to even suggest that that's a possibility. My God. They're not allowed to mention it. Instead, you have to take all these other drugs and you have to treat it as its own thing. This is one example. Uh so instead of some light coming to this and practical ways that these people could be helped, their quality of their lives improved, the quality of their families' lives improved, um, we don't get that right now. Uh, perhaps we could get, we could make progress there if there was more transparency about what happened. And whatever happened, happened. Yeah. I actually believe it was most likely an accident, right? If you're going to create something horrible, and release it. You're not going to do it at the scene that you made it. If it was, if it came in somewhere else, I'd be like, okay, well, maybe they made it in Plum Island and then released it in Florida, you know. But <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. So either it was espionage or it was just a mistake. Right. Mistakes but happen, and you know what? Mistakes will continue to happen. How do we improve it and go forward? But we can't 
get any transparency on it. And this is exactly it. And I'm and I'm actually really glad you brought it up because the, if you, if someone were to talk about conspiracies related to Plum Island, top of the list is the Montauk monster. Absolutely. It's not hundreds of thousands of people struggling with long-term illnesses. Yeah, now, you're right, you're right. That said, uh, I, I want to also put this out there about chronic Lyme. Uh, it's not happening in a vacuum, all right? Um, and by, by, what I mean by that is there are other animals in our environment, deer, for example, which can find ways to uh, beat these stronger bacteria. We seem to struggle. Is it because of our current health, all the electronics, you know, vitamins that we take, our nourishment, is our immune system weaker? And because of that, this bacteria from Lyme have more is more uh, is more difficult to uh, uh, to fight off, or is it just the Lyme itself? Right, we always have to be system systems thinkers. We can't just say, well. There's a stronger uh, bacteria comes from these ticks. There's, there's, there's ticks in the uh, New England area, which are unnatural to the area. A Lone Star tick, for example, which is really a tech from Texas or from the southern U.S. states. But if people had really, really solid immune systems, they would be OK. Yeah. Most people would be right. So the fact that there is this chronic health condition uh, could the the bigger problem could actually be that it indicates other underlying health issues. I don't know for sure, one way or the other, but many people do have a chronic condition, and I think that they could be helped by looking at their their health their health as a whole, being more holistic about it, taking right. perhaps more traditional medicines. Anyways. Uh, hopefully I didn't get too far off on a tangent there. No, uh, no, no had, man, that, that was good. Um, additional, you had, okay. So you asked about the Montauk monster. That's, that's what took us down this path. Got it. <laughs> Got it. No, Sorry. About important that. question though. <laughs> had to ask, I had to ask, right. And you, you made a very good point. Um, that is of recent times. That is the top thing that people will think about when they think about Plum Island, right? I mean, the casual person that's walking the street that's not into this type of information or listening to shows like this or even a little bit more mainstream shows that cover things like this if you tell them plum island they may say the montauk monster right it was all over the place so that's where they go instead of going other places that may actually be more rooted in reality and have uh more i don't know that require more attention right from their their people suffering Let's build yeah. that bridge. Let's build that bridge over to uh, uh, 2020, right? Okay. And, and, and what went down in Wuhan, China, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've been trying to work this out in my head, Mark, right? I'm not okay. a virologist. I'm I, not either, I, matter of fact. Right? <laughs> it's not, I'm you glad know. you're not a virologist. <laughs> I don't think I like virologists. <laughs> At this point, right? Who knows? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who knows, right? But, um, but, um, I, I'm trying to figure it out, Mark, because it doesn't make sense to me, right? And, and, and it, it hasn't made sense to me for a long time. I, I know what I saw, right? I know what I experienced. It's a real, it's a real virus, right? Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Now, the severity of the virus, the way it was sold to us, you know, and I always re- refer back to Wuhan, and mm-hmm. that was some apocalyptic shit that was going on there, man, that, that, that they were showing us anyway. People f- falling on the floor, you know, and, and blood out of their mouths, the Wuhan shuffle, the whole deal. It was crazy, right? I don't know how much of that was real. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm just telling you what I saw, right? So we like, saw the same video. Right. Exactly. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I never saw that happen, right? So what's the big deal here? Do they want to get everybody vaccinated? That's very conspiratorial. It's possible. We can't rule it out. Is this all about control? I don't know. So I'm starting to think, I'm like, okay, they created this thing, gain of function experiments in a lab, and we have some circumstantial evidence that can point in that direction, right? So in my opinion, I think um, this is what I'm going with. I think they created this thing in a lab. That's just me, right? Could be very wrong. Anyway. So this thing gets out accidentally. 
And they really don't know what it will do to people. I think they had no idea what was going to happen. And that's why they went ahead and shut everything down. And of course, they capitalized on it. Right? Why let a good crisis go to waste? People are going to go ahead and capitalize on things like this. Let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly. So they're going to go ahead and capitalize, and all the agendas are going to take place, and everything's going to move forward as a result of it. But what actually happened? Why did they shut it down? What, what, is, what is this virus, which is, doesn't seem to be very deadly um, initially? There are long haulers that are dealing with things, right? Yes. That, that, that does exist. What happens later on down the road? We're not even a year, maybe, we right? Well, I think we just hit a year from we March to know. March, right? Since we we've know. known about this thing, January to January. I think uh, that it was reported on January 1st, right? I think it was in China. Well, uh uh, there was discussions about it mm-hmm. in December right. of 2019 okay. that we became aware of. Um, the uh, there were it, certain parties within the United States that started taking a response to it in January 2020 before any Americans, to our knowledge, were even sick. Now, digging into the details, it appears that China actually had, uh, they were taking some actions about regarding a new type of virus, potentially as far back as the middle of 2019, maybe even earlier. That's not clear exactly how many people were coming down with a new undiagnosed illness. Right. And and let me jump in here real quick. Um, I think it was in November uh, in France, they had diagnosed this thing too. Um, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was yep. in November that that they had diagnosed it in France. To some degree, there were uh, uh, the lungs of these patients uh, were very, very familiar uh, or, or very similar to the lungs of a COVID patient. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, uh, there were some uh, individuals in France. I think maybe some in Italy as well. Agreed. Um, it's uh there's there's unusual activity that that seems to have a connection to this Wuhan flu this virus going back to maybe even 2018 uh there was a a lot of movement a lot of unusual things happened um there was a massive document created uh, by a multitude of people uh, within the United States government called uh, like United States Government Response to Biological Warfare Attack or something like that. Six, 700-page document. You can find it online. And um, like half the people who have the white papers in there seem to have some connection to Wuhan. Uh, and it's not a document or a book that had a history of being published, you know, every two or three years, something like that. Right. It just seems to come out of nowhere. Like, huh, that's odd. <laughs> there were interesting resignations in Fort Detrick, uh, which happened in the middle of 2019. Right. Uh, there was a white paper that came out of Fort Detrick at, in early 2019. Authoring started in late 2018 called uh, creating a generic mRNA vaccine to a coronavirus pandemic by the fourth teacher science director, who's now a top advisor for Moderna. <laughs> and it's like, OK, so I, you know, let's just there was something happened. We don't know exactly what, uh, who who was driving the bus. We don't. And this is it's horrible. Right. We should know that we we should have in this access to this information. There's new medicine being proposed today and offered to people, which we don't we do not know the long term impacts of this on the impacts on women who are pregnant, on developing children, right. on the elderly. There's so many things we don't know, but we are taking radical making radical responses and policy decisions based upon it. Right. right but right. we don't even know how we got here. Um, and then there's, but there's a rush to make decisions on it. Uh, and I mentioned the story about tracing Lyme disease to Plum Island, right? Billy, for a very specific reason, same thing applies to Wuhan, right? right? Even if the first people who got sick in the world were literally on the doorsteps of that building, 
you have to consider the possibility that came out of the building. They were doing of that. Course. Type of course. But that doesn't mean it could have been an American. It could have been a Chinese person Agreed. trying to make the Communist Party right. look bad. It could have been a Communist Party make it. We don't know that. But right. you got to trace the cases, right? And, and then take the, that next step. You can't just say, oh, it's all conspiracy. See, and it that's the thing. Mark, let me, hold that thought. Had a fling with a pangolin and, uh, you know, they ate the raw pangolin in the, in, the, in the wet market, whatever. Let me jump in here real quick before I forget to hold that thought, sir. I don't, I don't mean Please. to interrupt. But no, but no. but that's key. You know, it, it's so obvious, right, to make the connection. Not necessarily to say that it's a, a true or fact one hundred, but it, it's it's an obvious um, it's an obvious con connection to make that should be explored. Okay, there's this bioweapons lab there. Maybe something came out of the lab, or, or maybe something came out of whatever that facility was. Same thing with Plum Island, right? You know, Lyme disease is right there. Exactly. Maybe it came out of Plum Places. Island. You know, Very like. Places doing that type of research, right. very few, and it, it it seems to trace back to that point. Okay, so that means either it was an accident or it was planted there, right. one or the other. I think we still reduce the scenarios down from billions to just a few possibilities. Agreed. You should look at those, right? And, and it seems to have a somewhat of a nexus to Wuhan, but there was some very unusual activity in the United States. You know, Fort Detrick and other facilities mm. in 2018, 2000, and early 2019, which could have been purely coincidence, uh, but it needs to be uh, considered. I and I don't trust the Chinese government any further than I can throw them. Right. But how far only, can you throw them? I probably less far <laughs> than I used to. I got bad back. <laughs> but the uh, you know what? Only people in the United States government work, at least in theory, for us and our tax dollars. Right. They're the only people that I really have control over. They represent me. So um, even though I just assume every other country is as corrupt as they could possibly be, the only thing I can really influence, so we can influence, is our local country. So I, I don't see how helpful it is for so many people to simply say, it's all China's fault. Invade. Right. <laughs> Maybe they are at fault, right? But even if it was a, a, a pure Chinese conspiracy, you know what? Being the richest nation in the world, we should have had more than enough defenses for it not to have been any problem for us. And it, and, and that wasn't the case at all. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyways. So, your question, it seems to have this root in Wuhan. And they were doing, it's a virology lab. It's the newest, most expensive virology lab in all of China, possibly all of Asia, minus the Vector Lab in Soviet Union. I don't know how big that one is right now. China, Wuhan is an up and coming city. Uh, it's a pretty, it's as big as New York City with as many people. Right. You look at it on a map. Um, and you know what? The, the bridges are probably safer to cross. Right, no, right. The infrastructure here is falling apart. Yeah, so uh, even 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 with Chinese quality, it's probably still safer <laughs> than the hundred-year-old bridges in the U.S. Um, it it needs to be uh, considered, and that lab, and anyway, this is the only lab that that this applies to. But that lab is not purely funded by the Chinese government, mm. and perhaps. That's another part of the question that you want you wanted to take this to. Well, you're already there, so go ahead. So, uh, there's there have been many discussions, uh, many uh, negotiations globally over the last 50, 60 years about the risks of biological weapon research and development. The United States uh, under President. Nixon in 68 or 69 decided to put a pause, put the brakes on uh, bio research spending. And well, that led in after a couple of years or so, all of those funds just wound up getting redirected to the National Cancer Institute, which is also a little bit of a front for bio defense research. Uh, there under Obama, I think in the earlier years of Obama, maybe the first first or second uh, year of Obama's presidency, he, and I don't know if it was his idea or someone in the cabinet, 
if maybe it was a policy decision that was just made to because it looks and feels good. I don't know, but they made a decision to further restrict the amount of gain of function or biodefense research done within the United States on U.S. soil. But the research still has to continue somehow. Right. Now, if it can't happen in the U.S. and if we can't have the United States government fund the research on a, it within a foreign territory, how do we solve that problem if we want to do the research nonetheless? Well, along comes EcoHealth Alliance, a nonprofit uh, institute in New York City. And it, they used to be in Brooklyn. Now I think their offices are in Manhattan. Their roots go way, way back to uh, some zoological society, wildlife society. There's a few of them. I can't trace them. And uh, EcoHealth Alliance can be used as a uh, as an institute there where National Institutes of Health, National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Disease exact, uh, with Dr. Fauci, they can write out checks to them. And then EcoHealth Alliance, as a not a government organization, can find a facility around the world to do that research for them with the research grant money. Hence, there have been tens, possibly even hundreds of millions of dollars uh, funneled to research uh, very dangerous stuff in China and other nations using a third party, nonprofit, non-government institute like EcoHealth Alliance. Um, I haven't even gone through all their contracts. Uh, there was a claim made a few years ago or, or when this pandemic first started that uh, Dr. Fauci or National Institutes of Health, they, they, they were funding research in China. They wrote out a check for $3 million and it was debunked. And it was debunked because technically they never did, right? They had technically, they send their money to a third party. And then that third party then sends the, you know, funds the research in China. And the research is actually done collaboratively with some American scientists like in UNC Chapel Hill, Duke University, uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center. That's an important place to note because University of Nebraska Medical Center is very, very close to where Mr. Warren Buffett lives. Yeah. Matter of fact, their, their facility was built by Peter Kiewit Jr. And a lot of the funding was provided by uh, Peter Kiewit Jr. of Kiewit Construction, hmm. who was Warren Buffett's mentor, uh, UNMC. Um, they, their, their names come up a lot. Uh, so that is the role of these third parties and these nonprofits and the current president or vice president of EcoHealth Alliance, Brooklyn, now now Manhattan, is a Dr. Peter Daszak, mm -hmm. D-A-S-Z-A-K, who's a British national who is uh, half Ukrainian. Um, he got his PhD in uh, like the one of the one of the least qualified uh, schools in London. And he came with his wife, who's also a doctor, to the United States in 1997, 1998. And within a few months, he just happened to get offered a top role as a researcher at the CDC. He was flown to Asia, and he was a doctor who discovered this Nipah virus that right. was killing all these people and pigs and so on in Malaysia. How fortuitous, how well positioned he was, uh, Dr. Peter Dajak for that. Uh, and he, no matter where he goes, there seems to be some other type of outbreak uh, that he is always at the tip of the spear of finding and identifying. And sure enough, he was uh, only 100 mile, 120 miles south of Wuhan mm. in the middle of October of the year 2019 on a pig farm collecting viruses, shoving Q-tips up rat behinds and collecting new viruses, posted it on Twitter <laughs> with other people of EcoHealth Alliance. And he's also involved in, man in managing some of the operations at that Wuhan lab because uh, where EcoHealth uh, outsources their work to. And he just happened to have a letter, a, a, a letter ready to go in January or February saying, let's not blame China. This is a purely zoonotic, meaning 
natural virus. It happened because, uh, uh, you know, bats, uh, people are pushing further and further into nature right. and a bat, you know, had a had a tango with a pangolin or a snake or something like that. Almost exactly as the director of the United States, Fort Detrick, projected would happen in his white paper regarding making generic coronavirus vaccines in early 2019. Wow. Interesting wow. enough. And it almost used the same freaking diagram. So uh, he became the face of defending the zoonotic narrative. He was uh, a key member or leader of the team that did the investigation in the Wuhan lab, uh, which completed two months or so ago, covered by Dr. Kevin McCarran on his show. Shouts to Kev. That's part of the fam, too. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Making the sacrifice, you know, knows that this is this is about something. This is about his kids at this point. Yeah. Um, and, um, and they, of course they, they looked for an hour and they didn't find anything. And then they took group photos. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, he's a top player, right. this guy, he, he's definitely a BS artist. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Um, again, my own hypothesis is that he is, uh, he's going to be used as a firewall or a fall man, fall guy. Um, I'm not sure that what he's uh, suggesting is going to hold up that much longer, uh, but this corny narrative, and which I have zero faith in it being true, that it happened completely naturally, has to be broken to get to the next level of uh, of research and get more transparency into what happened. And knowing what happened matters, Billy, because it's not just in the past that we're talking about right now, but the it's been said it's been said by Fauci that we should expect nonstop viral mutations yeah. for 10 to 20 years, oh, which will require boost to shots. And there's no way we can avoid it because of our push into nature, because of climate change and because of other things, which mistakes which we've made. We should expect it. And if we can't have any transparency in how the very first virus coronavirus got here, um, then we are definitely at the mercy of believing that this virus just mutates and just just uh, exists for no reason than to, than to kill people, even though uh, a virus that kills people goes against every single law of evolution uh, that uh, uh, the Darwinists would have uh, conceived of. And uh, I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the godless Darwin, but there is something to be said about the theory of evolution. It's not completely wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't disagree. Um, it's, it's certainly not completely wrong. I think it's, uh, uh, how, how do I put this? Not misinterpreted, but uh, misunderstood, I think. In, 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 misunderstood. In, in a but lot of circles. Um, and that's, that's Just ignore Darwin in this case, right? <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just completely toss it out. Viruses <laughs> kill people. Right. Because that's what they do, and then because and then once the virus kills a person, well, the virus can't then reproduce. Doesn't make any sense. No. But whatever, you know, trust the science. But then you know that I mean that's that's what they want us to do, right? And in 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 large part is continue uh, it, it giving us these these vaccines year after year after year, whether it be for monetary gain or for whatever else you think it is, right? That, that's something that needs to be looked at, right? Why, you know, and and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Mark, but the sovereignty of the body, right? Like, well, I, I mean, I have a hypothesis on this that me. I can share. What's up? Um, uh, <laughs> so, you know what eugenics is. I've, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess. Most of your audience yeah, everybody knows. knows what eugenics is, right? Go ahead. Um, and um, so we don't need to review that. And I think a lot of your audience has heard about the discussions of uh, evangelism of uh of a population control. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm aware of these theories too. And, and for, for the most part, I've been thinking along those lines as well, but digging a little deeper, it didn't seem things just weren't quite adding up. Uh, and, uh, as far as the negative population or wanting to curtail the population goes. And the reason why that didn't add up was, and it kind of goes back. It kind of started with the Plum Island research, right? 
they wanted all these animals to test on. They needed things to to test, to do their research with. Right. They were so desperate. They were so desperate that not just they, but uh, the associated virologists and bacteriologists in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, they did the, the, the Tuskegee experiments. Right, right, right. They did many, many illegal, non-consensual uh, experiments with uh, radiation, giving pregnant women radioactive pills to see what would happen. Yeah. There were cases of, uh, of doctors in New York um, injecting viruses and cancers from animals into, into prison inmates against, against their knowledge to see what would happen, uh, into uh, disabled people. They were raiding uh, uh, orphanages. They were raiding uh, centers for disabled children. Um, anyone who was feeble and could not defend themselves. The, the, the initial polio vaccines were tested on, uh, on dumb children in a facility just north of New York City. Yeah. Um, and, and, the Gulf War, and the Gulf War syndrome appears to have been possibly a very, very large scale test mm. against uh, involving people who may not have known that they were being subjected to testing. Let's talk about that at some point, man. We don't have enough time for it now, but that sounds super but interesting. I'm wrapping up here. Yeah. All right. And it gets to the, 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 the part of the matter, Billy. There is so much desire to test and, 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 and to be part of some, something with respect to evolution that they will go to any extent to find test subjects. This includes this concept called humanized mice, where tens of thousands, we don't even know the number of aborted fetuses are used. They're ground up and the, and the cells are injected into animals and the animals are humanized because they need to test the reactions of not just new vaccines, but to actually use them to make new viruses. Yeah. So if these people are so diabolical and will go to any extent, any, any place possible to get things and people to test on, why would they want to throw so many potential people away, Billy? The world is at its peak population right now. Why depopulate it when you want to test something? And what they want to test are viruses and vaccines. And the reason why, look up the word euphenics. Viruses are the gateway to being able to change human DNA. Mm. A virus is nothing more than genetic material wrapped in a protein shell. It's nothing more than a message. You can hack the human body. You can actually augment the human condition, how DNA is expressed, and even permanent DNA in cells that receive viruses. You, the potential for ex life extension exists, as we know it, only through genetically engineered viruses. And the only way we can figure this out, we ran the Human Genome Project, is to find a few billion people who we can give genetically engineered material to, know their starting point, their DNA from day one, track where they go, limit their movement because we want them contained like a lab animal, track each injection they take, and then see what happens and reverse engineer uh, what the impacts are of this medicine. Wow. I, that is my hypothesis right now. It's the population reduction will happen as a byproduct of it, but there is nothing more valuable than humans to test this on because there is nothing more valuable in the world than immortality. Let's face it. My God. And I went from being sounding like a somewhat reasonable guy to, <laughs> dude, this, this guy's way out there. And I don't enjoy <laughs> being that person, but I put a lot of thought into this. Right, right, and right. And the only scenario that seems to check all the boxes and explain why we might be where we are. And dude, man, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's definitely something to look at. We can't rule it out just based on history. We have history behind us on this argument and what they've done to people, people like you, people like me, people listening yep. to this podcast, our families. Right? Yes, exactly. You know, and, and there's no regard for, for life. They don't care what happens. 
They will no. do these things and see what develops, see what happens as a result of exposing worse, people. Go ahead. Worse than depopulation. If someone wants to depopulate my ass, okay, it's game on, right? At least it's human to human. This is, we're, in, we're lab animals right now. Right, right. We're commodities and serial numbers. Like, like rows on an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. Wow. How did this happen? This is not very good. Um, it, it's my own hypothesis. I'm still working on it. It's I'm fantastic. Not to defend it, uh, but um, I, uh, I'm, I'm concerned. And again, you, you, we throw this uh, the Montauk monster out there, right? Notice how many people are, and possibly controlled opposition, loudly yelling, depopulation, Bill Gates, Satanists, Epstein. You see a lot of attention yeah. given to that. But but those stories don't make sense, Billy. Like, why? Why go through all the bother? They don't add up. We need to come up with a real narrative that makes sense here. And uh, it's I know it's a big it's a big leap. But hopefully I didn't spook your audience too much. And we'll have uh, I can be on again and we can explore oh, this man. a little. Bit. We're definitely going to go down this road. OK, there's no way. You've opened the door and we're going to walk right through it. We're, I want to see this through all the way. Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent stuff today uh, right here on The Fringe. Mark, tell everybody where they can find you, man. Come on. Houstonic.live. Uh, H-O-U-S-A-T-O-N-I-C. Uh, Houstonic as in the river, which is not too far from the Bronx, matter of fact. <laughs> uh, um, uh, my homeland, Connecticut, uh, or HoustonicITS.com. And hope to see you there. I'm live two, three times a week sometimes. Fantastic stuff. Go over there and check it out. Trust me, it will not disappoint. And let me take it a step further. Since this, since this is the Infinite Fringe, uh, we, we've had people come on here and talk about the alien agenda and how they've been abducting humans for what exactly? For our DNA, right? I'm just saying it all comes around here on the Infinite Fringe. So no, but, but seriously, 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 this is something we need to look into. The possibility yep. exists. Keep your mind wide open to it, even if it sounds far-fetched, because you can trace some historical background to this and what they're willing to do to us. And that's not debatable. Absolutely not, because Correct. it's documented fact. This is the Infinite Fringe, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. We are going to ride out here today. Hey, listen, thank you for listening this week. And uh, don't burn the place down until I get back. Actually, don't burn it down at all. Even when I get back, just we need some place to operate, okay? Take it easy now. Bye-bye.